Hello, it's Saturday. It's the Saturday show where we give you one from the vault and one from the week. Might not be Saturday, but if it is, it's Christmas Eve Eve. And I have to apologize to any listeners we have who might be named Eve, because in that moment they thought maybe I was talking about her. I looked this up. Do we have listeners named Eve? Well, over the last year, I've corresponded with one listener named Andrea Eve. Eve's her middle name. And then I don't know if I'll give her last name. She didn't ask for that shout out in this segment. But I wonder if she thinks of the name Andrea as sort of Eve Eve, because it comes right before Eve. And I was thinking that without the holiday season, we might not ever even say Eve You know, but for Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, all the Eve talk, it's very much concentrated in this period of time. Other words that we probably wouldn't ever think of or have were it not for the holidays, bows, tidings, maybe tidings, that's more so than bows, but of course, parson as someone who could marry us, parson Brown. So... With all that in mind, I am thinking about holidays gone by. And the first report will be from December of 2016. Actually, let's play that second. It's just a a delight, me and my young son, then Emmett, now my teenage son. It was a period when Donald J. Trump had been elected, but not yet sworn in. So the world was shiny and bright. No, it wasn't. But we made the best of it through song, Christmas song. And our best, we'll lead with this, our best segment of the week, or at least the one I'm going to play for you, is about tumult in Chicago. Uh, The city of broad shoulders had burdens that it cannot bear. I will report this from our Chicago bureau, i.e. my sister. She does point out that everything I chronicle is true, but it should also be said that it is the case that so many people in black and brown communities, as they say, uh, also Asian communities, were so upset because there was absolutely no effort to put any immigrants in white communities. And yes, in all the tape that I was watching, this point came up again and again and again, and it is the case, white communities being perhaps better organized or more resourced, the city didn't even try it. All right, let that inform you. One from the week, one from all time with song and festivity. Enjoy. And now the spiel. Yesterday, we played remarks from the head of the Illinois chapter of the NAACP, Tracy Haley. She was frustrated by the influx of migrants in her state, in the state's biggest city, Chicago. And this was expressed by another participant on a Zoom call, and she agreed. I'll play you more of her remarks than I did yesterday. And we're seeing families on the street and we're like, oh, my God, we're not used to seeing families on the streets. But black people have been on the streets forever and ever. And nobody cares because they say that we're drug addicts. We got mental health issues. But these immigrants have come over here. They've been raping people. They've been breaking into homes. They're like savages as well. They don't speak the language and they look at us like we were crazy because we were the only people in America who were brought over here against our wills and were slaves. 
sold into slavery, but everybody else who comes over here, we, we're so kind, we're so friendly. You need some clothes, you need a place to stay. We're gonna make it happen. So brother, I feel your pain. I'm right there with you. I will not continue to play her remarks because pretty soon after this, she uses the N-word, which I suppose is her right. But my point in highlighting the remarks is to show how much this issue, transporting immigrants from Texas to Illinois, especially Chicago, is tearing apart the city of Chicago. I can play you community meeting after community meeting. So I will. Here's comments from a discussion to transform the West Side's Amundsen Park Fieldhouse into a migrant shelter. Because, see, I want Mayor Brandon Johnson to understand that you're selling us out for people who can't vote for you. We are the voters. We stood with you. And now you stand and you slap us in the face. I tell you what, tomorrow we're going to punch you in the face at the polling places. We won't stand for this. We say no. There was no election the next day, but message sent. The proposed shelter didn't take over the field house, but plans to go forward in a different neighborhood, Brighton Park, played out like this. We are the person live in the community. Why? We don't know about that. Brighton Park is not big enough for all these people. That from NBC Chicago, the older woman there, Julia Ramirez, and her aide were attacked during a protest. How about over in Roseland? Uncompassionate or whatever. But the thing that's something I'm proud to this day is why are we doing all of this for these set of immigrants when the Haitians came over Like that woman, all the Chicagoans I saw protesting and at community meetings who were very impassioned were also compassionate or whatever. And everyone you will hear is a person of color. Almost everyone I saw in all the news clips I watched and I watched, I don't know, 50 or 60, were black or brown or Asian. Here's a black man objecting to placing migrants in a community college in his neighborhood. When do citizens of the United States of America come first? And here's Daisy Sierra speaking at a Brighton Park meeting a month ago. Second of all, there's been so much violence, so much violence going on in the Brighton Park neighborhood. I myself had been um, a victim of it. You know what I'm saying? There's so many people who've been robbed at gunpoint. There's so many people who've been kidnapped. And if you add these new people here, how are we gonna know that they're not criminals? You know what I'm saying? We also need resources. We need mental health. We need programs for the seniors. We need more programs for the youth. If we had more programs for the youth, there wouldn't be so much crime out there. Here's local resident Rebecca Martinez, same meeting. I think it's not fair that they're going to get handed to this, all that to them easily. While there have been people who have worked and been here their whole lives and can't even get a license. Like, it's just that simple. And to me, it seems ridiculous that we can't even get that. And and then even though, yes, they're, they're maybe fleeing their country for whatever reason, I get it, but they should come here and want to work. Some of them don't, don't even want to work. Some of them have been offered jobs that they don't want to work. It's like, okay, so what did you come here? Because you were going to give you money? How's that fair to us? The emotions expressed weren't only anger. There's sorrow in Chicago. This Sunday, a five-year-old migrant boy died of illness while being housed in a temporary shelter. The capacity of Chicago as a sanctuary city is being questioned. It's even being voted on in the city council. Now, they did retain that status by a vote of 31 to 16. However, 
Chicago has spent a million dollars to turn one site into a tent camp, but discontinued efforts over environmental concerns. And there is absolutely no solution to all of this, though cries of we are at capacity are resonating through the city. And I have no solution either, only this observation. Governor Abbott of Texas, who has no solution either, nothing constitutional anyway, sadly to say, played it pretty craftily. His decision to ship migrants to Illinois demonstrates that when one is stymied by policy, one can always play politics. And he did play them well. He made northern cities feel his frustration and the frustration of the border states. He didn't demonstrate a way forward, but he offered tens of thousands of data points that expose the weakness of easily reached for arguments in this debate. David Leonhardt of the New York Times in his new book summarizes the democratic policy on immigration as more is better, less is racist. Now, there are many Democrats working hard to solve the problem. Democratic solutions over the past decades in Congress have been hampered by Republican intractability more than the other way around. But overall, more is better, less is racist is how many voters see this issue. Often, how many in the media cover this issue. And racist is such an easy cudgel to reach for, but you can see how inaccurate it is, or rather you can hear it. When the concerns come from all the Chicagoans you heard from, none were white and they weren't cherry-picked to make that point. That's exactly representative of the demographics of those who were concerned and those concerned transcend all ethnicities. What Governor Abbott did was he spread the pain. His reasons were cynical, the migrants were pawns, but at least now we can see that on this issue, there aren't really any easy solutions. And it is also true that there should be no simple dismissals of the concerns of citizens of every state, city, color, and creed. And now the spiel. So I don't know if you've been able to discern this or not, but on the show, I sometimes talk about my life and just things that happen to me. It gives me fodder for especially this portion of the show. I mean, did you hear yesterday's spiel? It was entirely premised upon the fact that last night a cat jumped on my face. Last night a cat jumped on my face. That really happened. And another thing that happened was, and people have asked me, why don't you talk about this on the show? So now I will. My children were on Jimmy Kimmel. They've been on a couple of times. Most recently, Jimmy and Guillermo combined to do the homework helper guys segment. I have to admit, they don't really help that much with the homework. But the kids found it funny. People found the kids funny. So people ask me, why are your children so funny? And I usually brush off. I just think of it as a compliment. But then I was thinking about it a little bit. And I think there might be a reason, a a few reasons. One, humor is currency in our house, for sure, it's emphasized. Two, you know, I've enrolled them in acting classes and so forth. But I think a big reason has to do with a wrinkle of parenting in New York City. So I think the way that a lot of parents and their children interact is in cars, front seat to back seat. 
And there is no way to execute that interaction that's not somewhat dictatorial. I mean, you could have conversations and you could involve everyone and you could go around the car in a game. But still, the dad, the mom in the front seat are dictating, say, the music choices or if you have DVD players or whatever. They're sort of dictating the conversation. They're not really looking at the children. And so the flow of information goes from parent to child. It's top down. There's nothing wrong with that. Based on that, I think kids can learn a lot. Um, I would say that in the times when I have been in a car that I've used it to try to uh, deepen the musical education of my children. For instance, I didn't realize, they didn't know Whoop, There It Is, and then I played it for them, and now they know Whoop, There It Is. But the main way that I interact with my children is not front to back seat. It's either side to side or face to face, because I bring them to school via the subway. And on the subway, we're either looking at each other or walking next to each other or sitting next to each other. So the other day, while walking to the subway, We were singing some Christmas carols, my son Emmett and I, Santa Claus is coming to town. And then he changed the lyrics spontaneously to Donald Trump is coming to town. Okay, so I should say joining me now, you've seen him on the Jimmy Kimmel show, also Katie Couric's show. And what are your other credits, Emmett? What What other shows have you been on? This one, The Gist. The Gist. Okay, yes, you know him from The Gist. And Emmett is here, and we're going to play for you and show to you what we do on the subway with the Christmas Carol classic. Donald Trump is coming to town. All right. So what we do is I, uh, I'm going to say I trick Emmett into reading. I have two papers with me every day, the New York Times and the Washington Post. And so we take the idea of Donald Trump coming to town and we pivot off the day's headlines. Like here's today's Wall Street Journal. Now, Emmett, I'll help you. There's a woman's last name, but can you read this headline? Yellen Trump on some? Uh, same. Same. Yeah, the font's weird. We finger a little bit. Paid for now. Okay. Uh, so then what I would try to do is think of a good rhyme for this. Maybe something like, will the Fed Reserve Chair and Trump get in a row? Well, Yelling Trump on same page for now. Donald Trump, Trump is, is coming, coming to, to town. town. All right, next headline. <laughs> I guess it was very funky. Donald Trump has a monkey going to war with Canada. Isn't really funny. <laughs> okay, let's read this one. A Trump tactic. Face roadblock. It's faces, right? Yeah. Faces roadblock. And you think a tactic is the opposite of a tic-tac. Like a big candy that makes your teeth rot. So a, t- a tactic is the opposite of a tic-tac. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let me think of a rhyme for this. Um, in the late 80s, he went deep into hawk. Go. A Trump tactic faces roadblock. Donald Trump is coming. To town. Now, now I have noticed Wall Street Journal headlines, they're pretty good with the rhyme scheme and the meter. But the New York Times, they, they try to shove so much into their headlines. To wit. To fight Trump, Democrats yeah. look to a GOP tic, ta, no, tactic. Okay, so I'll say this. Um, his enemies are going to be sick. To fight Trump, Democratic look at GOP tactic. Donald Trump is coming to town. So in this way, 
we Christmas carol, we make up rhymes, we read the papers, we learn the difference between general and genial, and we learn definitions of words. Like, what is the definition of uh, tactic? A large candy that makes your teeth rot and it's big. The opposite of a tic-tac. It also means a strategy. But if you want to go with tactic as the opposite of a tic-tac, that's fine. Yeah? Yeah. This way, the side-to-side subway collaboration type way of interacting with one's children, not the right way, not the way that everyone can do, but it does answer the question, hey, how'd your kids get so funny? I do think this has something to do with it. Anyway, that's my theory. If you don't like it, I hope it won't get you down, cuss. Donald Trump is coming to town. Corey Warr is the producer of The Gist, and Joel Patterson's the senior producer. We will talk to you in 2024. Bye.